TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And now you're listening to Perkins and Spiegel on 670 to score. We're back with more of the Parkinson Spiegel Show, live from the Sheridan Grand for the 37th Annual Cubs Convention on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. We are here. It is Parkinson Spiegel, one hour down. I'll be honest, a little bit of turbulence on that flight, mostly uh, self-inflicted. But uh, in this hour, Jameson Tyone's going to stop by. Craig Council going to make his first appearance on the show. Carter Hawkins, Nico Horner still to come. The blue carpet with Shane Reardon uh, handling the festivities over there. So we are just getting started. And uh, in partnership with Live Nation on the 21st of June, Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are playing Soldier Field. Uh, when you hear this clip... Finally. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, this is what is our fifth one? Well, yeah, fifth or sixth. One. Yeah, I think sixth. And, and finally, we get 
the band that only does 80s Billy Joel with our friend, friend of the show, Matt Walsh, screaming, play something from <laughs> The Stranger. <laughs> what, 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 when, when you hear that later in the show, be the sixth caller at 312-540-0670, and you can go see Billy and Stevie at Soldier Field. And, but you can't go to the Catalina Wine Mixer. Sadly, no. that event has been discontinued. That's awesome. Actually, I don't know for sure. You know, you know the connection, obvious connection there. You know where the Cubs trained for a while, where spring training was for a while in the 40s, I believe? Catalina Island. There you go. Off the coast of California. Owners at the time also owned most of the property on the island of Catalina. And why not bring them to you? So the Cubs would play some spring games out there on Catalina Island. There's some incredible posters that you can get, I know, on the Cubs website and in the gift shop of, like, you know, it's, it's some of the art and the style of Catalina Island fused with Cubs stuff from the 40s and 50s. Some great collectibles. That, I mean, uh, I did not know that full that full history, but again, tying the room together. That's right. <laughs> Beautifully. That's what we do, baby. <laughs> that is absolutely. We get from the Catalina wine mix, mixer to the Catalina Cubs. Yeah. Uh, how about Shota Imanaga doing the, <laughs> the the pandering with the Go Cubs Go and Hey Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are going to win today in English. He's into it. That's, I mean, that, that is very cool. And the details from that story of how long he's been in Chicago and John Heyman saying he left double the guaranteed money on the board, you know, it, it's very cool because it speaks to the power of the Cubs brand, the attractiveness of wanting to be here, hopefully, uh, you know, the competitiveness of the team and playing for council and uh, relevance in Japanese culture and playing with Seiya and all of that stuff. Absolutely. But it also, call me the, the glass half empty here for a minute, it also leaves you a little frustrated, like, man, like, we know they're attractive. We know they're a good organization. They landed Lester. They landed Hayward. They've landed some, like, really, really big fish. And this offseason, they, they're not swimming in that deep of the end of the pool in terms of spending the big money. Well, in, in terms of Otani and Yamamoto, they were not. It's absolutely true. In terms of Otani, there were two in the end that even yep. came close to swimming in the pool that he wanted. One was Toronto that was really thinking about what they could do globally with Rogers Communications as the parent company and some back-end shenanigans that might have been going on in that deal. And the other is the Dodgers, who have endless wealth based on the very last of the TV deals and a completely cavalier attitude about what the future might hold as they took advantage of the loophole that anybody could have for sure. They're probably going to sell the team before that check comes due for both uh, Otani and Yamamoto. But, man, I, I, I get it. I, I, I get the frustration. Believe me, we, we, we talked quite a bit about it at the time. And the truth is that the Cubs are, are swimming with some big fish, but not quite the Steve Cohens of the world <laughs> and the Dodgers of the world. And it seems still the Yankees of the world. But there's, there's some reason behind that because of the multiple years in a row with the luxury tax and the desire to stay malleable so you can tweak it and extend your window, uh, possibly. So uh, I understand the frustration on the biggest fish, for sure. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, I, I heard Marshall Harris and David Hall, and apparently Jameson Tyone's a little delayed uh, getting here, but he will, he will be joining us. Um, mm -hmm. I heard them talking about it, and... It was funny, like, Haw was talking about the additions and the excitement and comping the Cubs to the Diamondbacks. And he was like, you just get in. Just get in, and you got a chance. Look at Arizona. And Marshall was talking about it from, like, 
you're the Cubs. You got all the money. Like, look how far away you are, like, from being the Braves or the Dodgers in terms of, like, what you're expected to be on the big league club. And Hall was kind of having, like, an on-air realization of, like, yeah, am I not holding them up to a high enough standard? And then, but Marshall was like, or is that not realistic for where they are in, in, in their cycle? And I think that what the reality is is probably somewhere in the middle. Like, in terms of the build and where they were and what they actually had in the pipeline and yeah. all that, they probably should be better than an 84-win team heading into the season in they, terms of expectations. I, th- I think they will be by the time the offseason is done. But I understand I, where I, Hall was, and I understand how you're talking it through. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't know, man. Well, like, uh, well, they, 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 they need to add a frontline starting pitcher to in my mind to for that like Vegas win total uh-huh. to, to jump a little bit I think they will add one via trade now if they don't and they and they start the year with Imanaga as let's say a three and Ty owner Hendricks is your two and you're trying to figure out where Jordan Wicks and Javier Assad are in there it's not as exciting for sure but remember there are kids like Ben Brown and Cade Horton who could break camp as a fifth guy, and they are bat missers for sure. Yes. And then you will be flexible going into the season. Into the deadline, yes, of course. Absolutely into the deadline, still loaded as a system and ready to pounce. The other thing is that Blake Snell still hasn't signed. Jordan Montgomery still hasn't signed. These guys are holding out and expecting to get more, and the, the bidders are fading away. A lot of the bidders are fading away. Cubs are not out on those guys at all. But overall, here's the thing that we have good fortune of witnessing. The White Sox tear down and rebuild. Before that, the Cubs under Theo and Jed, that tear down and rebuild. And in some of our cases, and certainly mine, the Red Sox build that Theo was a part of the first time. And I can tell you the common denominator in the Red Sox failing at the end of Theo's run and the Cubs failing at the end of Theo's run was spending way too much damn money for way too long on free agents that didn't live up. In Boston, it was lackey and it was uh, Carl Crawford and others. And in Chicago, we know it was the Darvish deal that they chose to punt from. It was Brandon Morrow. It was the Hayward deal. But we've just seen it in Philly. It, like, you know what I mean? You can, you, you can keep throwing good money. They've got a great TV deal for sure that, that, that is helping them. No, it, it's true. But so you can like The idea that you don't want to spend on blue chip A-list players. I think that no, no, you do want to spend on blue chip A-list players, but you want to try and spend on exactly the right ones and not too many at the same time. Yeah. Because it will limit the length of your window. And if that lowers the expectations a little on the front end, they're doing some of the calculus of that once you get in, you just have to have the right mix thing and their ability, hopefully, to plug in the kids as they come. I understand the mindset. I, 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 un- I understand it, too, and I think that there's just a there's going to be a little bit of a push and pull and the messaging from guys like Jed and Carter mm-hmm. and Craig frankly is going to need to is is going to be key in managing expectations and also man and Jed would not hide from this and Theo would say it they are a product of their own expectations everybody here lived through 15 16 17 you know the we're not the lovable losers. We are good. Hold us to our own standards. Just making the playoffs isn't good enough. Like, supposed to be a consistent winner. It obviously didn't work at the end of the last build, but they, 84 wins is not good enough. Yeah. A, a, a fringe wild card exit is not good enough. The goal here should be 
division titles, 90-plus wins, and in a five-year run, four trips to the postseason. That is what the Cubs should be, given how much money they have to spend, who they compete with monetarily Mm -hmm. in their division, and the investments uh, that they've made in the infrastructure of this entire thing. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think they are. I think they are aiming high, and there will be more going on this offseason, and I do believe pretty firmly that you're going to be entering into the year with expectations of more than 84 wins and projections that are going to give them more than 84 wins. There are other ways to point out some of the failings. The Padres went crazy with all the money in the world and are now selling off pieces, paying $39 million in luxury tax last year. It'll be way higher this year if they don't make some more trades, and they are not equipped to compete in their division after all that spending. So you have to do it in a way that you're confident you can maintain. Yeah. Well, and last thing on this, you can trade for expensive players on shorter deals. Yes. You don't. You don't. That's ha- the dream. You don't have to. You can, you can trade for the great player with a year or two left on the ex- on the expensive deal that the team that realize, oh, it's a great player on a team that's not going to win. We're going to step aside so we can come back and have maximum time with Tyone and Craig Council. It's Parkinson Spiegel live at Cubs convention on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. And here's the controversy. Listen, we love fun, right? Afternoons on the score. Welcome back. It is Parkinson Spiegel at Cubs convention. We are live at the Sheridan in downtown Chicago, right outside of the Grand Ballroom. And, uh, you know, the crowd is starting to fill up. They all did that naturally. Spiegs did not cue them. I did not in, cue in them or, that, 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 or incite that in any way. Yeah, that was not a pity round of applause. I, I can confirm the timeline for something this evening, Danny, that we'll be here for. We will be on the air okay. through 6.45 tonight, just after 6 o'clock. We're getting paid overtime. We are. Uh, are we? No. Oh, okay. Darn it. We okay. should be. I just want to. I'll pay you a little something. You pay me a little Perfect. something. Perfect. <laughs> Call it even. Perfect. So um, Tom Ricketts tonight will be. Um, announcing, I do believe, the Cubs Hall of Famers, the two people elected to the Cubs Hall of Fame last year. Very, very cool. Sean Dunstan and Mark Grace. Yes. Elected to the Cubs Hall of Fame. Perhaps some people know who is on the ballot for the Cubs Hall of Fame uh, this evening, and that would be Sammy Sosa. So we have the potentiality this evening of Tom Ricketts announcing Sammy Sosa as an inductee into the Chicago Cubs Hall of Fame. That, my friend, would be something. It would be amazing. Uh, It feels obvious. I can't imagine having a Cubs Hall of Fame without a minute, and it is an independent panel uh, of voters. I I don't want to speak for all Cubs fans of my age, but I was 12 years old in 1998. Uh, Him and Kerry Wood were the guys who made me love the Cubs. And first of it, it was Sosa because of the home run chase in 98. I know he's a polarizing figure. I know it didn't always go perfectly in terms of him as a teammate. But the dude answered the bell every single day, and he hit 60 balls over the wall three times. It was pretty pretty easy to love that dude uh, back then when we didn't know everything that we know now. For sure. There's no doubt about the accomplishments. It was only when things started to kind of unravel a little bit later on with a million different things, be it a corked bat that exploded or a uh, boombox. Yeah, or uh, Manny Alexander being caught with something in his glove compartment or uh, any number of things that, that, that happened after that. But still, things that happened after that are a lot of um, steroid users and abusers throughout the game having come to grips with what the era was. And a lot of teams and the game itself come into grips with what the era was. 
conversations, apologies, negotiations, uh, handshakes, and reconciliations. And it's, um, it, it is time for such things to at least be kicked in that direction uh, here with Sammy Sosa and the Cubs. And if you look at year-over-year -year attendance, pre-Sammy, post-Sammy, he is the, the fault line that changed this entire thing. You know what I mean? It, it was always a great brand, and there was always WGN and the Superstation and all, and all of that stuff. I understand that. But it, it was exponential growth out of 98, and they never looked back. Like their, their, their range now, like a good year, it's, you know, the low 3 millions in attendance, uh -huh. 3.2, something like that. And, and a, or that's like the high end. And a bad year is like 2.6. Like that's their range. You can find years and years and decades and decades and decades of below 2.2 million in attendance pre-1998, pre-Sammy Sosa. Well, like he, he changed everything. Well, history will say that the Superstation and Budweiser and Harry Carey and the 1984 team, which is getting honored tomorrow, is what changed everything. And I'll, I'll stand by that. Well, but they but, jumped but from that th to post-Sosa, right, like right. in terms of like the ability to cross 3 million fans and so all that. That, that was not a thing. To another, to another level and to another chapter, what Sammy did and what Mark McGuire did helped the game itself uh, come back and jump to another level because chicks dig the long ball. And th in that way... Me too. It, right. And, and in that way, everyone was complicit in what went on and the fact that we turned a blind eye, etc. Et but hi history will say first it was Harry and the Superstation and everything and Wrigleyville and the explosion of all of that. But to your point, you, you don't write the chapters about 2003 and then the 2007 2008 years and eventually the attractiveness of the brand and the ballpark in the area without sammy and that explosion in 98 and beyond yeah i love that dude's shirt wrigley sosa 24 bringing sammy back make sure you're sitting uh in a camera view <laughs> yeah that's a great that's uh, a, that, at that, about 605 that's that, sir. that's a it's a great shirt not I, that we know for sure it's gonna yeah happen, no i mean like <laughs> people can still vote their conscience people vote their conscience in the major league baseball hall of fame all the time and barry bonds and roger clemens stand virtually no chance of getting in yeah well i mean other than caleb williams if the, if, if this thing comes and goes <laughs> with an independent panel of people uh -huh. to vote on a Cubs Hall of Fame and Sammy Sosa doesn't get in yeah. and all due respect to Sean Dunstan and it's another class <laughs> you know what I mean wow. we, we will be the, smirching Sean Dunstan it, compared to Sammy Sosa first yeah first you offer up Gary Matthews autographs yeah, to I, everybody I, I, I will be yeah I'm just saying it'll 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 rise up the rundown on, on things that we, we will have to be I mean uh, we will have to berate Vegas Hall in the air because Hall's a voter for the for the, for Cub, the Cubs Hall for the, of Fame. For the Cubs Hall. Well, of he fame. was just here. Vegas, Vegas I know, but Hall. he can't reveal his ballot Ooh, until after you know it's announced. Why? It was Chicago Hall. Oh. Vegas Hall would tell you exactly. He would tell. He would tell. If Vegas Hall would spill the deets. Every single secret he possibly has, Vegas Hall would give out. He absolutely would. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Danny really doesn't want me to bring up the fact that Caleb Williams is possibly potentially rumored. No, I'd rather talk about baseball. To not be. Declaring He's gonna be for fine. the draft gonna be before fine. the deadline on Monday so he could instead perhaps enter the supplemental draft where the Bears wouldn't have a shot of him, shot at him but with the first round of teams it, that might. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny, first of all. Second of all. Was that Montez laughing at that? First of all, he no, that's Kobe White. 
Oh, it's Kobe White. <laughs> Let's think it through. Well, he's rivaling Montez Sweat for best laugh at Chicago sports right but, now. But the supplemental draft. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, I'm not going to – there was nobody picked in it last year, so it's not a very common thing. Hasn't been thing. a pick in the supplemental draft since 2019. And so, But how it works, right? Yeah. All the teams that win six or fewer games, randomized lottery, then that team gets the top pick. Sure. And then they would take Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. Why would he want to go there over the Bears? If he just doesn't want to go to the Bears, just do what Eli did. Just do what John Elway did and strong arm your way to your specified team. Why would he be like, no, I don't want to go to the Bears, but I also want to go to a team worse than the Bears and have it be randomized? If he's in, if he's going to flex some sort of player empowerment lever, uh -huh. he's going to write his own ticket to where he goes, and he's going to make the Bears trade the pick to a team that, that he that he wants to go to. Let's he's, say for the that, sake of the conversation, he doesn't want to go to the Bears, so he chooses supplemental. Then the team that wins his rights there, he can tell them and leak that that he's not going to go there. And then maybe the team that's second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth, they could then find out that he's going to go there, and then they're the ones that take him, and that's where he goes. Because the other teams, if you take someone in the supplemental draft, regardless of whether you sign them or not, you don't get next year's pick. Right in, in that very same round. So if you're the first five, and he says he's not going to go to the first five, like then this. they're going. They're not going to make the pick because they don't want to mortgage next year's one. Right. That he and, has more and, control and Caleb, and supplemental. And Caleb doesn't wouldn't want the team that is trading to acquire him to give up a bunch that he wouldn't be able to be competitive exactly. at the next level. He's he's trying to play chess, whether he does it or not, whether he's successful or not. It's pretty fascinating that he is trying to play chess, and it, it might be what's going on. We're trying to figure that out. And it, it, it's it's a really interesting moment. Fortunately, we're going to have another three or four months to break this down. Yeah, and frankly, I have no interest in talking about it with you. Uh, I want to talk to Jamison Tyone. That's what I want to do yeah, because Caleb do. Williams is going to be a bear. Round of applause for Jamison Tyone, everybody. Man, look at Jamison Tyone. i got to get a jump on our guy Shane Reardon who's going to talk to you over on the blue carpet when you guys all go over there. i got to ask you, who are you wearing? Because oh, that God. is uh, You know what? I'm actually – there's a story to this. I'm getting married in a week. But we got married in a courthouse in New York like a month ago, and I wore this for that. So got a guy in New York that made me this. Yeah, it looks tailored, 100%. It's a good fit. Would you expect him to be in, like, men's warehouse? It's James <laughs> Tyone. You're like, oh, man, your suit fits. Yeah, he's a big league ball player and a big contract. That's fair. This is Pretty some, tall, you know. It's, <laughs> it's hard. Some eight ball player. Well, congrats on the wedding. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to Mexico next weekend, so. Hopefully this weather subsides and we can get out of here at some point. Can't miss that. <laughs> You'll get out of here sometime in the next week. Yeah. You might just be delayed a little bit. So do you? how do you look at uh, an event like this? I think it's cool. I mean, you know, we're kind of in the middle of the offseason. And, you know, for us as players, it's really cool to see all the fans, um, you know, that we get to spend the summer with. And then for the players, like, we were all working out together today and throwing together today and stuff like that, which is really cool because – Everyone goes their separate ways for the off season, and you try to stay in touch. But it's just awesome to bring everyone together. You know, everyone's going to dinner tonight afterwards and stuff like that. So, um, just cool to bring everyone together in one place and get excited for the year. That's really cool. Have you um, have you ever seen your new teammate Shota Imanaga pitch? Uh, I remember watching him in the WBC last year. I remember thinking like, just watching the talent. Uh, team Japan had and yeah. I was like there's no way they have like another dude and then I saw him pitch in the finals I was like the fastball is crazy they right? just keep bringing dudes out yeah he's got a really good ride fastball throws a ton of strikes I know he's known for being pretty durable over there and stuff so I'm excited and I just want I was actually at home uh, watching his press conference and it fired me up yeah because he, he he led with he led with awesomeness yeah and, and English and it's hey hey what do you true say? bravery trying to speak English you know his first time over here 
knowing, uh, you know, the W song and all that, it was pretty cool. You, you know, I thought of you, though, because he clearly, as free agents do now from anywhere, they interview the teams about what the teams are going to do. And that was a big part of your free agency. You loved what the Cubs' plans were for you. Seems like he loves what the Cubs' plans are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it starts like the Cubs make these awesome free agent videos, so that starts the free agent process on the right foot. I feel like they get a, a jump on other teams by making a real effort to, like, make these tailored videos to you. What a day in the life at Wrigley would look like. What a day in the life, um, you know, in spring training would look like. They interview potential teammates and pitching coaches and stuff and talk about how they could help you over here and what they kind of have in store for you. So, um, yeah, the Cubs were pretty unique in free agency, I actually thought. Um, and, yeah, I, I heard they were calling him like a cerebral pitcher and thinker, and it makes sense that this is a fit because that's something that really was attractive to me. It was like just nerding out and talking pitching with the Cubs. What was a detail that they had for you that stood out? Um, actually, so I sat down with Craig Breslow, who's with the Red Sox now, but he actually came with, like, this whole binder of, like, pitch usage stuff, adding a sweeper, which I did, uh, and I felt like I started figuring out at the end of the year. There were some, like, biomechanic uh, things that he saw, um, and they, you know, tailored, like, custom workouts and stuff to try to attack some of this stuff. So, I mean, it was pretty thorough. Um, they talked about game planning. They talked about their system, Ivy, that you can watch video on and all that. So you last year, when you, you had a six-start stretch from July 7th to August 8th where you averaged more than six innings per start, had an ERA of 2.17. And I know it was a bumpy year at times before and after, but right in that, in that patch, what was going so right, and how do you replicate that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know. I think a lot of it is just confidence. Like, you get one good start, and you build that into the second, and it just kind of builds up. Um, when I was struggling, it's not like I felt like I was totally lost out there. It felt like, man, if I could just kind of get on a run and get some traction. Um, so that I honestly think some balls were being hit at guys. Um, some things started clicking. Then once you get confidence, like I feel like that goes all the way into your routine and into your delivery, and everything just starts ticking up because you're just approaching things with a little bit more confidence. Wow. We're talking to Jameson Tyone. Craig Council will be here for his first appearance on the show in just a couple of minutes. Is that reassuring? or scary that you've been doing this your entire life you had a rocky season it went well for a while and you don't know why yeah that would, I, I, for yeah. me that would kind well, of freak me out but I could, I could I guess I could see both sides of it yeah so I think you know a big part of it too is like we did make some changes I was just saying that little stretch I'm not a hundred percent sure what that was but like okay. as a whole in the second half I feel like I got closer with the catchers closer with the pitching coaches um, we started figuring out drills that I liked. Everyone was on the same page with how I like my information presented, and that stuff really matters. Um, like when I was in New York, I got off to a rocky start for a little bit and then kind of got a little better. So I, at least for me, that stuff matters. Having a relationship with the PTs and strength coaches and being able to, like, just communicate and collaborate and all that. Um, so I do feel like there's things we went into this offseason we were able to, like, really genuinely build on. That's cool. So off-season plans, that's what I was going to ask. So what did you learn last year that you took into the off-season and, and hopefully hit the ground running in the spring with? Yeah, a lot of different drills. Um, you know, I've been long tossing more this year, just trying to, like, get my mechanics into some different positions, throwing my weighted balls, med ball drills, lifting very, very well. Um, so, yeah, it's been a fun off-season. I've been traveling a bunch, but I've also found a way to get, like, consistent work everywhere I go, which has been awesome. So I, I saw you at the United Center for big-time college hoops, yeah. ACC and the Big Ten. You were digging it with your fiancé. I was at, digging it. At the time. <laughs> um, have you gone to other sporting events this off-season? You like going to stuff. Uh, 
I was just texting with my agent about getting tickets to the Waste Management Golf Tournament in Arizona. <laughs> Hell yeah. So that's next <laughs> on my list. <laughs> my man. Yeah, I'm trying to go to that right before spring training. I'll already be down there. That's a crazy one, right? We, we had Lance Lynn call in hammered from, right. the, from the 16th or 17th hole. It's the 16th hole. Yeah, the 16th hole last, last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he, would, he called in a couple times. That was great. I got a taste of it last year. It was, it's a pretty cool event. So, yeah, I'll try to go to that. I'm trying to think. I, don't, yeah. I actually don't think I've been to anything else this, this offseason. Mostly been visiting family and doing all that, that type of stuff. Going to weddings. Will you throw beers on the, on the green if someone gets a hole-in-one? Uh, absolutely. If I'm drinking a beer, I'm more of a margarita guy. But if I have a beer in my hand, I'll let it rip. All right. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. You, you should make a margarita bet with him then. Because Danny's known for his margarita bets. I've made one with Joe Kim Noah he that he made, still hasn't paid up on. Yeah, Joe, Joe hasn't paid up. But I bet, you know, Jameson, you could track down. Yeah, right? I, I, I probably could find him. Yeah, he'd probably, I'd, he'd probably have to give me strokes on the golf course, though, oh, would, yeah. would be my guess. I'm not very good. Cool. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll try to bring some margs out there with you and play to our handicaps. Um, it, the, the season begins March 28th in Texas. They're pretty good, I, I, yeah. I think, yeah. So I assume Justin Steele gets the opening day start. You know, that's a I hell of a year. So. I think so. Ideally, you go what? Lefty, righty, lefty? Because you go back to Imanaga at three. Is Jamison Tyone in that two spot? What, what, what matters to you? What, what, what would you like to see happen? Um, that stuff's always tricky because it just comes down to, like, when you get to spring training, obviously you line up your opening day guy, and Steely has very much earned that right. But um, I feel like a lot of it just comes down to, like, where you're at routine-wise, where your bullpen days fall. Like, I'm sure they'll optimize it at some point, but if you're not the opening day guy, I feel like it doesn't matter as much because throughout the course of, of the year, like, some guys will get skipped, some guys will get pushed, some guys will get moved up. Like, that, we as players don't really read too much into that. Yeah. What... I know team goals, win a division, win a World Series, all that stuff. Individually, are you a, I'm willing to verbalize my goals because obviously Cubs fans didn't see the best version of yourself from your baseball reference page and all of that last year. Like, wh what should they expect from you this year? Yeah, I try not to set, like, specific numerical goals. That's hard. Baseball is a weird game. But I do try to just – I know it sounds super cheesy, but be in control of things I can control. So showing up, working hard, being in the weight room every single day, being a good teammate – uh, hitting my plyo drills, hitting my recovery, hitting my diet properly, all that type of stuff, taking care of my sleep. Like, I set goals with all of that. Um, but as far as, like, numbers, that's hard. But I do feel like if you take care of everything, then the numbers should show up. Um, so, obviously, you play the game for that reason. You never know what can happen. But um, I'm more of a just take control of the things that I can do on a daily basis to get better and then just let it fall. Deep respect for the uh, mindfulness that you talked about uh, last year and the, the meditation and having a practice. Has that continued into your offseason? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you learn a lot about yourself when you're struggling. <laughs> and I was searching for stuff last year. Like, I'm not a guy who's just going to sit back and be like, well, you know, I, I'm stinking right now. That is what it is. Like, I'm going to try to proactively find ways to get better. So I, it sounds weird, but I started journaling. I started doing some mindfulness and meditation. Doesn't, um, doesn't sound weird to us. Doesn't that's, sound weird. We're a therapized yeah. show, man. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> stuff that carries over into, like, my everyday life. I've noticed I'm just a much more calm person, more understanding. Um, and I, it turned my year around. Like, right when I – I'm not saying it's the only reason, but when I started journaling every day and, like, actually taking note of what I want to get done every single day, reviewing what I did at the end of the day, like, that literally started on July 1st, and I feel like my season kind of – turned around from there so there could be something to it oh I, I i think i think there definitely is i mean i i try to meditate every day and if i don't like sometimes it'll be like a week will go by and i'll be like man i'm, I'm a mess why am i a mess oh yeah it's, pro it's probably that probably that that i forgot to do again i try i try to meditate and then i check twitter 
<laughs> then, then, then just start just, scrolling. Yeah, just start scrolling. Like, oh my god, I just missed something on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as peaceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, re- it really is. All right, uh, Jameson. What, one more thing. I need you to up my coffee life, okay? Because you're 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 the coffee guy. You've got what four different ways to make coffee in the locker? At least. Okay. Margaritas um, and coffee. Yeah. yeah, it's not not such a bad way to go. I got a burr grinder. I use the Sumatra dark roast, the whole bean. Okay. Then the Chemex Automatica, so it kind of does it for okay. me. Uh, separate milk frother. Um, can you please upgrade me? Tell me something that I should do to upgrade. That's pretty good. The only thing with the Chemex, the automatic ones, is yeah. that you're not – I don't think there's a scale you're measuring. So I measure all my coffee and do, like, a coffee-to-water ratio. So for every gram of coffee, I do 15 grams of water. That way it's always right in that sweet spot. You're never going to drink it and be like – that's too strong or that's too watered down. I do that every day. Yes. I'm like, I don't know if this is right or not. I, I eliminate measure. the guessing game. I measure it every day. And that's part of my therapy, too. I, I love making my coffee in the morning. That, like, always sets me right. Coolest place you travel to this offseason? Uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, probably. That oh, was beautiful. That was the only trip that me and Claire did for ourselves. Like, everything else is, like, holidays, families, weddings. But that one we did together right after the season, and that was awesome. You said weddings. Were you at Justin Steele's? I did not make it to that one. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, I went to one in New York. I'm going to supposed to be at one in Arizona tomorrow, so <laughs> oh, we'll see if I get there. <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs> Former Cub Stephen Brault. We'll see if I can make oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hell of a singer. Is he singing? I, I, I bet, right? I put the odds at minus 600 that he gets on stage and sings. <laughs> Sports gambler, waste management open, <laughs> margaritas. Seeing. Hell, yeah. Jameson, thank you so much for coming by the show, man. We'll do it again throughout the season. All right? Thank Good luck you. this year. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's Jameson Tyone, everybody. Craig Council should be coming by in uh, in a matter of moments. We're gonna take a st- we're gonna step aside for just a minute. On the other side, the new manager of the Chicago Cubs, Craig Council, on the Park of the Spiegel Show on the score. And the applause you're hearing is for Craig Council. Craig Council. My thought on Craig, as I've always watched him against us, was the Bum Phillips quote where he said, he take his and beat yours and yours and beat his. And that's kind of how I felt sometimes watching him, that he was just getting the most out of the team. MLB veteran for 16 seasons. You look at his skills and he really doesn't do anything great. And when he's on your team, he's one of the most valuable players. Yep. Oh, boy. He did that great. And it's 5 nothing. Two-time World Series champion. So now it's Council who carries the run that could win the World Series as he leads away from third. Renneria bats with two out. The 0-1 pitch. A liner off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. His batting stance, you can see that high stance. It's been compared to a chimney sweep who's missed a spot. Council gets into one to right. His teammates call him Rudy, and Rudy has just tied game one of the 2001 World Series with a first inning home run. 2001 NLCS MVP. Diving stop and out at second for the second out of the inning. What a play by Council. Council with a huge three-run home run in game three. May have saved three with this play. Manager for your Chicago Cubs. Teams are different. You know, I've used this analogy for a long time. There's a soup made, and it's... You know, it can be the same players, but it's going to taste a little different next year when Grandma makes it. You know what I mean? Craig Council with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Give it up for the newest manager of the Chicago Cubs, Craig Council. What's up, man? Thank you for that intro. That was your producers did a heck of a job. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's Chris Tannehill. He's uh, the absolute best in the business. And uh, 
It's an honor, man, to have you on the show. It's been a while since we've done this. I, I know it's official that I'm a Cub now, and I'm talking to Danny Parkins. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Uh, haven't done this since high school. You know, you're my first ever interview that Brad set up. Wow, that that makes this a little that makes this even more surreal. Yeah, Danny and I have known each other for uh, for a very very long time, and um, it, it's cool to be working together now. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, and this audience really came together. Brad had been on the show a bunch of times, raised a bunch of money for uh, brain cancer in his honor. So, as you know, he'd be very proud of you right now. And it's uh, really cool to talk to you about all of this stuff. But um, has it sunk in? Does this make it sink in? How you feeling? Yeah, I, I was looking forward to this weekend for sure. Um, you know, for new Cubs, like Cub Convention is like a talked about a, you know, event a lot, and you it's like it's hyped up a lot for sure. And uh, you know, I can tell them right now by just looking around this that uh, it makes you feel like a Cub for sure. Um, you do a press conference, even talking to players, but like seeing everybody wearing a Cub jersey and everybody wearing Cubs hats and Cubs gear, um, it starts to get you excited for the season, and it makes you feel like a Cub. This is the Mac Daddy of off-season celebrations. <laughs> every organization in every league does something kind of like this. Now, this is the 37th Cubs convention. Um, the Brewers won slightly different scale, or you know, how, how does it how does it compare to, to this one? I gotta ask you. It's a different scale. I, walking in that room next door to us, where I, I think the. They've told me about a red carpet event and an interview I'll be doing with Ryan Dempster later. If you walk in that room, it's different. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, did, you see, did you see the graphic that they put out? It was like Lollapalooza. It was like a concert lineup, and your name is the biggest one at the top of it. That has to be a weird thing for you. Yeah, that is. That is. <laughs> I mean, I, let's, let's, let's make the players' names the biggest. That's what I say. Yeah, well, it, it's it, exciting times. Shota Imanaga an announced today. Uh, uh, how active were you as a part of uh, that pursuit and, uh, and, and that agreement? Yeah, I mean, not. I, I didn't speak to him beforehand. I've actually just had a really nice conversation with him. Um, he did a heck of a job at the press conference. I just complimented on that. I thought it, I thought he was incredible how he did it. And you know, the one thing that you, you learn really quickly when you talk to Shota, he's just he's a smart dude about pitching, um, and he knows what he wants to do. He's been, and he's so skilled that that skill level. There's, of course, there's adjustments to be made when you kind of move move to the different league, but his skill level. Um, and just his his kind of mind for pitching is going to lead to a lot of success. The philosopher, right, Danny? Uh, the pitching the, philosopher. The pitching philosopher. Yeah. And I, I saw some videos where he was breaking down how he throws his four-seamer. It's yeah. crazy, man. Like, he's really uh, it, it dived deep into that. Three-plus pitches, you guys might mess with the, the pitch usage a little bit in this league instead of that one. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's always um, – you know, tweaks that you kind of explore, but this is one thing I told Shota just a couple minutes ago, is like, he doesn't have to do anything different to succeed. That's what's great about him. Of course, you explore like, little things to make players better. That's that's our jobs as coaches, and we were, we had a fun time as coaches talking about that this morning. Um, but he's good enough already doing what he's doing to get major league hitters out. So, Craig, I mean, you heard it in that, in that intro. The overachiever maximized your talents. That was what the knock uh, or the, the reputation for you as a manager got the most out of your teams. Do you know how you do that? Like, can you explain the secret sauce to getting the most out of whatever you have in front of you? No. Awesome. Yeah. No. No. Right. I, no. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I can. I Good mean, stuff, I think. Danny. Well, yeah. no, I mean, I, but <laughs> it's been kidding. doing it for a long time, so it's a lot of dumb luck, then. <laughs> no. I mean, I, you don't explain it. You just, you know, managing is about people. Uh, it's about players, um, and it's about, you know, stacking up good decisions, um, and 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 simple as that. And and that's what my job is about. 
um, and I don't make it any more complicated than that. I don't, you know, ascribe anything more to like some talent I have than that. Um, but I, I manage people. I take care of those people, um, and and, try, and and by doing that, get the most out of them. And then I, my job is to make a lot of good decisions, um, and they're they're decisions based on, you know. We have a ton of information in baseball, numbers, gut, all those things matter, and, and you use all of it to make good decisions. So how do you deal with pressure? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, pressure is kind of why you do it. It's not, it's not the bad thing about doing it. It's why you're doing it. It's the feeling that you want. Um, you want, you know, we are performers, you know what I mean? And, and that, that means there's pressure along with that. Most most of it's self-imposed, um, but it's the good kind. You know, it's the good. It's the kind that makes you want to succeed. It's the kind of what makes it. It's the competitiveness in you that makes you want to win, and um, you know that that's how I've always treated pressure. You know, I think any performer's got a love-hate relationship with pressure, right? They, they they hate it, but they also love it. Yeah, you need it to get you going. That, that's right. Absolutely. A couple of game specifics with you, if you don't mind. Won't hold you to these during the course of the year, promise, <laughs> really. really. Um, all right, the opener. When I think of the opener, I think of you and Wade Miley grinning at each other after five pitches in 2018. Might we see an opener sometime this year? Yeah, that, that was that was, um, that was was the opener taken to a little bit different level. Yes. Um, I think they've made rules that, that have prevented us from doing that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think you, you always consider it. Um, and, and then, you know, the thing about the opener is you consider it, you talk about it, you talk about it a lot, and uh -huh. then you got to find what's the good in it and then what's the ramifications from doing it, and you got to consider both sides of it um, when you do it. All right, so that's a maybe. Um, you got a part-time hitter who's hot. Three great games in a row against favorable matchups. Tough, tough matchup on day four. Is he playing? Any chance he plays if he's red hot after three days, even though the matchup isn't good on day four? Yeah, you're leaving out a lot of information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're leaving out a ton of information there. Okay. So, so I don't have to answer that because no. you're not giving me all the you're not giving me okay. all the data points there. Man. All right. Well, how about this one? First and second, nobody out. You're down two runs. You got a three true outcome guy up, but he's also a pretty good bunter. <laughs> Any chance you ask him to bunt? First and second, nobody out. Down two runs. Uh, I I wouldn't say there's no chance. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think there's players that you, you you know you bunt with players who have are appropriately skilled to like uh -huh. put them in positions to succeed. Um, so the right players like. Bunning, bunning, and the right matchups. Uh, bunning, bunning could be a factor, but um, just to say that the bunt is the best play here, I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Okay, and last one. Uh, defined roles in the bullpen. Need a closer. Need somebody who believes they are a closer. And in a related question, how's your relationship with Josh Hader, free agent? <laughs> um, defined roles in the bullpen are are helpful, I think, for the players. I mean, I think anybody kind of wants to know ideally you'd like to know what you're doing when you come to work that day yeah. it's, it's easier for you right um doesn't always work that way i think who your team is um kind of dictates whether you can do that um i think josh is doing great I, I think he's having a great winter um enjoying himself getting ready for a great season okay he's not he's not in somebody's <laughs> hotel room is he Here? He's, he's not okay so when you got introduced you talked about you know you were going to be deliberate and everything like that has it been what you expected it to be so far yeah i mean i think it's um it has it's probably been a little bit more um you know the intimidating part is just getting to learn the number of people and 
look, I've told you managing people, you, you know, you're managing people and establishing those relationships is a really important part of this job, letting them know you. Um, I spent a great, we just spent a great 36 hours with coaches, you know, like working on a lot of things and just getting, letting them hear me talk um, is, is a really important like step in that direction. Um, being able to spend some face time with players this weekend, really important part of this. Um, so I feel the more I can be with the people I'm going to work with, the better I feel. Um, and, and that's what's happening this weekend. We had a great conversation with Bob Brentley uh, after you got hired, and he brought up one specific moment where you came back to the, the dugout after some strategic decision, and you said, all right, you're going to have to explain that one to me. <laughs> and he loved it. He loved that you cared, that you wanted to have the conversation. Do you like having those conversations with players? You open to it when they come to you now? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think that's my favorite part of the game. You know, I think there's we've got decisions to make. Um, and I think players just want to know more than anything, like, did you put time into that decision and what? why did you make it? And, and I think it, it is my job to be able to explain that, absolutely. Um, that's that's important they're not going to always work i think that's the, the about especially about in baseball they don't always work because we play so many games um but it's important to be able to have logic behind your decisions uh, i i take that very you know that's really critical to any decision i make so expectations theo used to say that now they were a a victim of their own success because it used to be the lovable losers and all that yeah. sort of thing and then you have that crazy run now you have to live up to them you get hired in very high-profile fashion. There are expectations from all of these people. What would you say to Cubs fans about what they should expect? Yeah, absolutely. I want expectations. Our players want expectations. That's why we're here. Um, so we, we should be held to those expectations. That's that's part of this. Um, that's a great part of this. Uh, and, and you work hard. You work really hard to get expectations. Um, and you want to be in atmospheres that produce that the pressure of expectations we want that and if and if you don't want that we're in the wrong place you've been enjoying chicago what have you uh been able to do um this week's been this week's been like i'll tell you one of my favorite things is it's it sounds weird but like uh i told the i talked to the spoke with the cubs uh, associates this yesterday two days ago and and literally for me still just like walking across the street like parking my car and walking across like a city street and into the ballpark is still just like it, i get chills even in the winter and there's no fans there there's no you know there's not crazy energy going on but still just walking across that street into wrigley field is is something that it's been really special every time i've done it still that's awesome that's awesome hey craig when i was a little kid i was hanging around my older brother and his group of friends because they were so cool and I know that they just kind of tolerated me, you know? <laughs> like, I was adorable, I thought, I thought, I, whatever. But they were like, oh, yeah, Matt's here. That's great. I, how did you and Brad deal with young Danny? <laughs> did you tolerate that, Danny I or think did you enjoy a, him? That's a great word. You, you to tolerated him. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's I mean, it's your good buddy's little yeah, brother. That, that's a great word. We, you tolerate him. Hey, thanks for coming, Danny, if you want to leave, you know. Right. I left the bachelor party early. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that That's way. That's a good call. We, we tolerate him now pretty well as well. This is the new manager of the Chicago Cubs, Craig Council, everybody.
We'll be seeing you. We'll be talking to you, man. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Craig. All you right, that's Craig Council. We got our buddy Nico Horner coming by in an hour. Carter Hawkins in 30 minutes. It's Parkinson Spiegel at Cubs Convention on the score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.